Welcome to 3D BPM Sports Podcast. This is where we discuss the latest and most advanced, fascinating, powerful, and disruptive additive manufacturing technologies with the people that make them happen. I am your host, David Scher, CEO and co-founder of 3D BPM, the leading media, marketing, and market research firm for the ever-changing world of AM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the 3D BPM Pulse podcast. This is the place where we get to speak with additive manufacturing industry pioneers and first movers about their innovative technologies and their business strategies. For those who don't know me, I'm David Escher, co-founder of 3D BPM, journalist and market analyst. 3D BPM is a media and market research company that specializes exclusively on the additive manufacturing or AM industry. We publish 3D Printing Media Network, one of the leading news and editorial online portals trusted by AM professionals all over the world. We also conduct extensive market research and publish reports on all the core segments and the key verticals of additive manufacturing, from energy to aerospace and related markets. And that is how we get the latest insights on all the newest technologies that are about to hit the market. Today's episode is the perfect example. We have been following Xerox's venture in AM ever since the company decided to invest in a new liquid metal printing process invented by a small New York startup called Vader. After nearly five years, a system based on this unique technology, the LMX, is ready to enter commercialization. Our guest for this episode, Arjun Tekalur, is Director of Engineering at Xerox and is the best person to help us understand how Xerox's liquid metal printing works and if we will ever be able to say, hey, Xerox me that metal part. Arjun is an experienced uh, researcher and skilled engineering professional with 15 plus years of experience in manufacturing, co corporate strategy, research and innovation and higher education. At Xerox, he manages the team responsible for systems integration of LMX 3D printers. In his career, he has created high-performance teams focusing on digital design and rapid qualification, managed portfolio encompassing research and applied technologies in advanced manufacturing, digitization, material and process qualification, and developed strategy to innovate and monetize digitization, tech roadmap creation, identify key gaps, create workflows, and so on. Arjun is passionate about technology, innovation, and digital transformation. He also holds an MS and PhD in mechanical engineering and applied mechanics from the University of Rhode Island. So uh, after this uh, lengthy introduction, hello, Arjun, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, David. Really, really appreciate it. It's a pleasure being here. Uh, thank you for your very kind introduction. Very humbled and happy to be here. Thank you very much. And uh, so let's start from the beginning. Can you help me and the audience understand how Xerox's liquid metal printing process works? Um, yeah, it's a <clears throat> very exciting process. I think, uh, first off, I, I would say like the process is very, very similar to those who have had a hobby printer of their own or who has done FDM process. You have a base that moves in the XY plane and you have an extruder. In this case, a metal jetting extruder that is going to extrude droplets, 
multiple droplets per second that is extruding in the z-axis and it's able to move along the z-axis alone so in reality it's a two-dimensional base and a one-dimensional z-axis movement that <clears throat> is providing this whole layer by layer construction of metal if i go a little bit into the details please how the extrusion itself is happening uh, it's uh, liquid metal jetting I'll, I'll reframe the terminology there so what happens in the z-axis is that we have a print head chamber the chamber is at 800 degrees celsius and we have molten aluminum we feed wire a very thin wire i would say 0.16 millimeter diameter wire that is being fed into a chamber where we use heating to melt it and this molten aluminum is stored in this chamber and surrounding the chamber is a electromagnetic field and we play with the frequency and the magnitude of that electromagnetic field in a way that it induces a pushing force in this molten aluminum pool and you get droplets that are squeezed out at uh, several hundred drops per second. So anywhere between 100 to 500 right now drops per second of molten aluminum droplets that are ejected out of a nozzle. So these droplets then have to land in the precise position on the XY table and once we complete one layer, the next layer is completed. So like other traditional additive process, we go one layer at a time or one slice at a time. So that's the process in a nutshell. A couple of other things to remember is that the base itself is starting out at 475 to 500 degrees Celsius. So you have a heated base and a heated printhead that is working in tandem to make you those high quality aluminum parts i i think that, that explained oh, it i'm sorry that. yeah go ahead uh I, i'm sorry yeah absolutely i think that really uh gets the point across and that made me think um so really i mean if we look at the astm kit uh, seven categories this kind of fits into the material jetting process uh more more than others yeah, this is a very unique process. I think uh, this is not like a laser powder melting or laser powder sintering or X-ray or E-beam based technologies. So ours is a very, very unique way of building these metallic parts. So that's where we are very proud of and we are very excited to be in this unique space. Fantastic. And of course, there are other technologies that use wire. What would you say, you know, I'm thinking, uh, you know, the, the, the EBAM uh, technologies or maybe some some DED that, 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 that use wire. Of course, they're not very, very, very widespread. But how would you uh, what would you say is the biggest difference between your process uh, and these processes also in terms of applications? Uh, it's the processing techniques. Like I explained, I think you have a very good point, whether it's uh, EBAM or any other technologies that you see out there, even DED can use wire. So you got to have a technology that is going to be able to convert that wire or melt that wire. When you use laser or an X-ray beam, you're already putting yourself at a very high energy consumption rate. And sure. more importantly, 
the portability of those technologies go down and the safety requirements go up. So those are all like a different set of additional requirements you put in place. Whereas in our case, it's more like a heater that is melting the wire and building that molten pool chamber. Fantastic. And so what would you say, even though your role is primarily technical, can you explain um, the, the biggest advantages of using this technology compared to other metal AM processes, um, I guess, in terms of cost, energy consumption, and et cetera? Yeah, very good question, David. I think for, for us, it's, the, it's very related to the point that I was making before. It's the safety aspect. Sure. It's the ease of use and the ruggedness of the technology itself. So when you look at the safety aspect, like I said before, because we are basing it out of simple heating, there is no laser, no X-ray beam involved, none of these additional safety measures that you would need. And we are using wire, so we are not using powder. Aluminum powder by itself is a very explosive material and wire is extremely safe to handle. Now you have eliminated the need to have additional extra safe storage space. And then if you remember people wearing uh, respirators while they're working on a powder-based machine, none of those requirements are in place for us because wire is inherently safe. There is no new thing that you're going to inhale out of it. And the third part of it is the post-processing. So in our scenario, the post-processing is as simple as putting it into a cooling tank and getting your part out. Whereas in all the other technologies, you need to have a post-processing wire EDM, which is additional capital equipment you need to buy. And in our scenario, you don't need those kinds of capital equipment. It just take your bill plate, put it in a cooling tank, the part separates from the bill plate and you have it ready to use right after you print it. So that, those are some of the biggest advantages we are offering here. That's a, that, that makes it very interesting. So the, the, the obvious question that comes next is what types of parts can you build with the LMX? What is the size and, and build volume and can this be scaled and how much in the future? Yeah, I would say, <laughs> okay, sky is the limit what type of parts we can build, but uh, we do provide a design guide I think uh, we have an excellent AE team that provides the customer with enough information on where and how or what type of parts are very, very beneficial for this particular machine. So I would say our build volume today is 12 inches by 12 inches by 4.7 inches. So that's 300 millimeter by 300 millimeter by 120 millimeter we can have a maximum build rate of 0.5 pounds an hour. Again, a big differentiator yeah. from uh, other technologies that you have in the market. And we can have a dimensional accuracy. I believe you asked one of the questions was on the dimensional accuracy. Uh, on the X, Y, we have a plus or minus 0.6 millimeter accuracy. On the Z dimension, we have a plus or minus 0.5 millimeter accuracy. And we are building with a minimum layer thickness of 0.24 millimeter. And the surface tolerances, again, part of the accuracy question that you were asking, the surface itself 
is comparable to a sand cast part, which is mm -hmm. 25 micrometer or better. Okay. So those are the dimensional tolerances and surface tolerances that we are promising with this technology. And, and what type of parts, I would say like, again, it's going to depend on the customer's innovation and imagination. But in general, for our printer, again, a major differentiation, when you look at uh, laser powder bed or e-beam technologies, you would tend to avoid parts that are horizontally bigger. So which have mm -hmm. like larger footprint on the horizontal direction. And the obvious reason in those scenarios is the residual stress from the DMLS is very, very high. So you have sure. higher chances of part warping when you remove it. So in our scenario, it's actually beneficial larger horizontal parts come out very very well okay. because the build plate is already heated and the part is inherently stress-free so we do very well on the larger horizontal profile parts that's actually oh, go ahead yeah we also do very very well on uh, parts that are used typically as a cast replacement as tools and jigs and fixtures so we do very well in those parts. If you're looking for like super fine accuracy, uh, there might be a limitation because again, like I said, the wire diameter that we use is 0.16 millimeter. And that is also placing a limitation on the droplet size, approximately like I would say 0.5 millimeter. So less than that, if someone wants to make like super intricate lattices, lattice structures that are like 0.5 millimeter wall thickness i wouldn't recommend this but again it's it's not like impossible but i wouldn't recommend it but the larger parts with typical industrial use i think the machine does fantastically well that's uh that's very very interesting um you know because we are looking so much at, at achieving production through AM, especially metals, and uh, this really looks like um, like like this is your your focus. And you already answered um, on on what I was going on some of the things I was going to ask you next. Uh, you know, things like dimensional tolerances and surface quality. I also wanted to ask you about part density capabilities and part geometry. Like how how do you compare how do you compare your parts with uh, certain other most other metal AM processes, I guess mostly the metal powder bed fusion processes, which are the most the more uh, the more uh, adopted today. Uh, and also if the parts can be machined after they come out of the machine. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, in terms of density, again the alloy that we are offering today is a cast replacement alloy so it's a 4008 aluminum alloy the density we promise officially in the specs spec guide is about 98.5 percent uh, in reality you're going to get about 99 percent uh, in your parts and the second question you were asking is are the parts machinable absolutely yes i think um, you're more than welcome to machine the parts after the printing sometimes or many many times these parts are with good enough resolution that you can use them off the printer for basic functionality testing great oh, great and we um we also partially answered this 
question, but what I wanted to understand, uh, I wanted to, you to help me understand is, uh, okay, we, we know that this technology is, is, is really targeting, you know, high, higher speed, uh, you know, cost efficient, safe production, but you know, five years ago, I'm sure, and I, I saw it uh, when the technology was first announced uh, by the startup, I'm sure it looked very different. And uh, how is it? And why is it that that you think, you know, I know your role is more, more technical, but why do you think it is that Xerox decided to invest so much in what was at the time a relatively uh, experimental process? What, what was the potential that they saw? Uh, David, you've been in the industry, you're an expert in the industry yourself, so you know that the additive is set to revolutionize and it's already revolutionizing the way we are producing products, right? So for us at Xerox, we believe that um, this particular technology gives us a niche space. You identified it before too. There are so many other players in, say, DMLs, in eBeam, you will see multiple different players. But when it comes to liquid metal jetting, it's a unique technology, gives us a niche space to play in. And the positive aspect of it is that it is oriented towards being adopted in a rugged industrial scale. So with the safety requirements that are minimal and with terms of ease of use and in terms of deployment, I mean, you can use this machine in places where you're currently putting your CNC machines, currently putting your, uh, I would say, even on a container, you can place this machine. So that's the kind of ruggedness that this particular technology is providing. That was really, really exciting to us, right? We didn't want to have a clean room to go to additive manufacturing, rather being able to deploy it on a field deploy it in areas where supply chain disruption is really causing pains for the customer. So we wanted to offer a solution that will help the customer to be able to use the technology without having to spend additional capital expenses to make it work. Absolutely. And that's what was very, very attractive. That's what led us to be wanting to invest in this technology and to take it forward into this market. Absolutely, I see. And um, um, so now we are, uh, we, your, Xerox has begun, uh, you know, uh, commercialization, you know, full commercialization of the, of the machine um, at a time when, uh, when actually uh, a lot of production-ready technology are supposed to be hit in the market uh, soon. So hopefully we will see a very, a very important shift uh, but, uh, and much more adoption across uh, so many different segments. And, and we, we already you know, talked a little bit about this, but I wanted to ask you exactly which, which industry do you think you are, which key segments uh, are you targeting first and, and why? Uh Again, we are very industry agnostic. Uh, we would be happy to provide this technology to any customer in any industry that would see a fit that would solve his or her problem in terms of getting the parts fast to themselves. So having said that, for the machine configuration and the material, the 4008 that we first offered into the market last year, that is geared towards uh, casting replacements. 
I think if we have customers who are looking to replace, whether it's actual cast parts or sometimes even tools, jigs, fixtures, and small functional prototypes that they want to check for fit, form, or functionality, or if a customer is actually looking for a part, a temporary replacement part that they can use until the actual part arrives, those are things that this machine can do immediately and do exceedingly well. I think that's our first target market right now that we are focusing on. Perfect. And I, you, you've mentioned uh, uh, already a couple of times uh, uh, aluminum uh, 4008. Uh, and aluminum in general uh, is so interesting because, uh, you know, we've, we've done a lot of research uh, into AM of uh, various aluminums or alumina. <laughs> no, aluminums. Anyways, we've done a lot of research into this very interesting material. And of course, in powder bed fusion, there are challenges, but it can be printed, although, you know, only a limited number of alloys. And in, in binder jetting, which aluminum would be the ideal material for the types of applications that binder jetting is targeting, it, it actually presents several challenges in terms of, uh, you know, post-process sintering in a furnace and, and so on. Of course, these challenges are being addressed, but the point here is, is that aluminum is actually a perfect material for your technology. Um, can you can you help me understand wh why is it so ideal and why was the first material that you introduced and also if you will be introducing other materials in the future and then you know if you can get go if you will be able to go to higher temperature materials such as titanium etc. Absolutely, David. I think that's always the ask from the customers and you are hitting on the right questions there too. So first off, I'll start with. Uh, the choice of aluminum. Again, like I said, um, it's a lot of market analysis and market study that our team had done. And we realized that um, we really didn't want to be another me too player, right? We didn't want to come out to the market with a product that can do what DMLS can do today or what eBeam can do today. In terms of the niche technology that we had, we also wanted to offer a product and a material combination that will help the customers address their unique needs. And we believe that aluminum alloys are underserved and we wanted to create a safe and ease of use machine that will allow our customers to use aluminum alloys in large scale industrial printing. And that's the choice of, you'll see a series of aluminum alloys that we have been working on. And the very first one we launched was a cast replacement 4008, right? So yep. that sets the stage for also our next iteration of alloys that we are going to bring to the market. A couple of more aluminum alloys, I would, sorry, aluminum alloys, right. <clears throat> uh, including a high temperature aluminum alloy that I cannot disclose now, but it's right. going to be soon in the market. <laughs> Interesting. Very. And that will be like structural grade and that will help the customers get more than what they are getting out of the current version of the machine. And again, for those who have the current version, it's an upgrade that allows them to go to the structural version of the aluminum alloy too. So that's the reason behind why aluminum. And the second part of your question was what other materials that we are working on. I think, again, our R&D is working on a lot of exciting materials, some mm -hmm. of which I cannot just spell out mm -hmm. in detail here. 
but I would say that uh, in the next two to three years, we are in store for some of the most exciting materials that are currently not served well by other traditional technologies at all. Fantastic. That that's uh, that's actually very interesting. And also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but materials like aluminum and, and titanium as a powder are actually quite somewhat dangerous to handle, while they may be less dangerous as a as a wire. Is that is that is that correct? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So again, in additive technology, you also have to think of two things. Now, you correctly pointed out aluminum powder by itself is explosive. Wire is harmless. So we are using a wire-based technology. And the second part of it is also, right? So when you think of changeover, so if you are using, say, a powder-based machine, if you have to buy a machine, I've seen customers dedicating a machine for a material, which is a large investment per material per machine, right? Whereas in our technology, changeover is, I would say, far simpler. So you want to change from one grade of aluminum to another. It's a matter of switching the pool of wire. We use a wire pool, which is same like what you would use in a commercial welding. So it's just a changeover from one pool of wire to another pool of wire in aluminum alloys. And if you want to even change over from one material to another, the cross-contamination is only confined to the crucible that we are using, right? And it's a matter of time. It's a matter of minutes to remove the old material and induce the new material. So that's another huge advantage that is in play. So you don't have powder spread all over the machine that you have to go vacuum, clean, and it took us weeks to remove one material and change over to the another material. Sure. And now you think of this technology, you're going to do it in a matter of hour rather than weeks. That's uh, that's also very interesting. And uh, um, so we, we still have a couple of minutes. Uh, uh, and so I wanted to ask you one last question. Uh, one last quick question. Will we ever, I mean, it's obvious that you're targeting uh, ease of use and, um, you know, safety. So will we, do you think, will we ever be able to say uh, Xerox made that part? Well, Xerox made what, sorry? Uh, you know, like how you say, make a, like how you make a photocopy of a, of a part, you know, uh, today is just common use. It's, it's just so easy to, to photocopy, to make a photocopy of a, of a paper document. Will it, will it ever be as easy to do with, uh, with metal parts? I mean, that you just press a button and the part comes out, uh, you know, without, uh, without uh, difficulties. <laughs> David, now you're talking like science fiction, right? Right, right. <laughs> That is our end goal. I think uh, that would be a nice goal to do that. Uh, I know that many, many customers fear about IP and uh, many of them have valid concerns about how their parts will be in the near future or in the far future be copied into the situation that you're describing. Again, uh, Xerox is working on not just on the hardware side, there is a very, very exciting developments on the software side. Of course. Right? So I don't know if you guys already heard about it. Uh, uh, Xerox, that's another unique thing about the Xerox 3D technology. We are providing a holistic solution here. So we, in addition to the hardware and the printer that you see in the market, 
there is complementary and parallel effort that we have put in on the software side. So for a customer today, when they have questions like, what should I print? Should I even print it? What is even feasible in my portfolio? So we have a dedicated product that will sift through your database or if you upload your part, it will say whether it is even amenable to additive. And if it is good for additive manufacturing, the software is also going to recommend you what is the right technology to use, not just LMX. It's going to tell you sometimes it may be DMLS, sometimes it may be EB. So it's agnostic of the additive technology. It's going to give you a honest opinion on which is the right technology to use. And if you adopt LMX, it's going to tell you what is the cost and what is the way to print it. So it's a very exciting software it package is. that I would highly recommend all of us to check us check it out. And it's uh, it's a holistic solution that Xerox is coming out. I think part of that journey someday, I believe that you can drop a file and you'll be able to make multiple copies of the same part on an LMX machine. Fantastic, and that's a, that's a great answer. And um, uh, that's almost all the time uh, all the time we have. Of course, it, 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 you make a great point that that software is going to be key uh, in making three D printing more accessible. And we are making steps in that direction, and uh, definitely will uh, will uh, provide all the information. Uh, to connect and to check out the technology and the software and the holistic package that comes with it. Thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll connect back up again soon uh, as the machine makes uh, its progress into the market. And uh, until then, I, I, you know, goodbye to you and to all our uh, listeners. Thank you very much. Yes. Again, thank you, David. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.